I do think that a lot of people are completely disconnected and and are so confused and scared and there's so much fear and repression and they don't want to see what it is. Today's Unreasonable Human uses breathing techniques and sound to facilitate deep healing and transformation. She is a multi-talented artist and the co-creator of a musical arc project called Infinite Crescendo. Her name is Carly Jo Carson. Hi, Carly. Hi. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to just say it because I can't. I can't carry on like this. We've had to restart the recording. We were recording this podcast. There were sound issues. And I was loving the conversation so much that I asked Carly if we can start again. So we're starting again. Here so we are. <laughs> so here we'll we are. As authentic as possible. Yeah, let's let's do this. All right. So Carly, I wanted to know when we first started our conversation, I wanted to just go back. I'd love to go back and find out where people are from. Um, so can you tell me a bit about your upbringing? Yes, um, I actually was raised right here, not in Topanga, but in Los Angeles. I was born in the Valley, born in Tarzana. Mm -hmm. And uh, my family moved around a lot when I was growing up. So we lived in close to, I think, 18 houses in 18 years. And we lived all over the valley, all over the city, um, east side, west side, and never lived in Topanga Canyon. So being here now feels, it does feel like a new place. But but sometimes wow. I, so, that, like I, a lot of my life is back in the valley now, which I, I spent a lot of time trying to get out of and imagining a life somewhere else. And, and here I am raising a family. Yeah, isn't it funny how we do that? Like, we always just want to leave. I always say to to my husband, like, we must never worry about where we live with our kids because they're probably going to leave us anyway because it doesn't matter if we move to, like, the most beautiful tropical paradise and it's the most special life, they're still going to want to leave. They're still going to want to go and leave and then hopefully they'll come back one day. I don't know. But, you know, it's just yeah. the way it is. Um, Carly, so... Growing up, moving around so much. I personally, I think that moving is really good for the soul. I feel like for us, like especially because we're immigrants and we came from South Africa, I lived in Sao Paulo, Brazil when I was younger. I lived in Algarve in Portugal. I lived in London. And then we moved here. Um, I feel like it's really made me grow as a person. I feel like moving is a is like a shift. You know, you have to change and you have to adapt and you have to, you become more resilient. You become more understanding. There's just so much that happens within you. Do you feel that creativity comes from that? Um, probably a little bit, but yes, I agree with you that moving can be very expansive in that way. Um, for my family, we moved a lot sort of as a, running away. It was an escape more than anything. Mm. Um, there was divorce, there was addiction. And my mom ended up flipping houses sort of to, to make a living. And, but it really was an escape. It was like, okay, if we're just having to pack up and having to figure out how to sell a place and where are we moving next and searching. And it really ends up being an escape from just being present and facing the, the issues, I think. And so that mm -hmm. was um, but yeah, I do think it made me resilient. I think uh, I had to go, I, I went to several different schools. Um, yeah. So I do, I do think it opened me up in that way. Mm. I love that perspective. And I, 
I wonder then what was it that 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 made you want to become an artist? Yeah, well, I've I've always felt very called to to be an artist. I think I I'm just now getting comfortable really calling myself an artist. Um, but I all I loved art and that was I was very scared of sports or anything competitive where people were watching. I was very shy. Uh, but I loved I loved art and that was one really beautiful gift that my my mom brought me was we weren't allowed to do many things um, watching TV or I mean a little bit here and there, but um, she really restricted television and junk food and all those things. And I'm grateful for all of that as I do the same for my children. I do, I do really think it was such a gift that she did that. And there was always art supplies. And so, um, yeah, I, I've always been interested in, in art. Although it wasn't until my adult life that I found music, which is what I'm, is, is what I'm practicing most these days. It's mm. my medium. So your art, you did you study formally? Um, I did not, and sometimes I wish that I had. But um, I wanted to go to art school, and I ended up going to a school called Gallatin, which was an interdisciplinary school at NYU. And I went there because I really wanted to go to art school. But from there, I was allowed to take classes at School of Visual Arts and Parsons and get credit. So that was sort of my way of going to art school. But then once I got there, I ended up studying psychology and sociology mostly. Um, but yeah, I've always, I've always dabbled in, in the arts and mm. yeah. So with art, I think, so you didn't really have a formal training in art, but you've went on to be an incredible artist. I'm just going to say that you've done some awesome stuff. You've worked with like, so Carly, I just want people to know is very humble. Carly has worked with Rihanna. She's worked with Sonia Riquel, like doing really incredible. It's it's big stuff that you've done. The stage, it was a set design. Set, design. set design. Yeah, I, I never even met Rihanna, but I, I I was hired by her her art team, and I did the set design for one of her Grammy performances, which was really fun because I was able to make wild drawings. And at the time, I was making terrazzo furniture, which was concrete and marble sculptural shapes and snakes and hands and things that I were small scale lamps and couches that but they were very sculptural and surreal and so they wanted to use some of those forms um, but we couldn't make them in time so they just said draw it and then they fabricated all of it but it was it was a really fun job to just get to art direct yeah I feel like you know, I don't know if you mentioned this this now, but before when we recorded before, you were saying something about, you know, your your art. You just sort of have been quite fluid with where you are, and you didn't want to call yourself an artist. But to me, that's very important because I feel like a lot of the times people feel constrained in their art by going to study art specifically at college or follow a specific mentor. You know, it's. I'm sure it, it it does work for a lot of people, but like for me, when I studied fashion design, I felt like I was being sort of molded into the look and the feel of my design lecturer. You know, she would always 
come to my designs and go, oh, can you change this, change this? And eventually it was something that was very much her style and it was never, never uniquely mine. And I've found that as I've gotten older and I've just experimented with art just as, an, just as a creative person, I have found a unique way of doing things. And I think maybe that's what it is for you. You know, you weren't constrained by somebody's opinion on how they think that you should be as an artist. And because of that, you've been highly creative. You've done some awesome stuff. I mean, I've seen your terrazzo, like it really, they're sculptures. Like they're these beautiful tables that are like sculptures. They're so beautiful. And mm, that set yeah. is just so unique. And I think that... um. Yeah, sometimes sometimes it pays not to not to go to college, you know. Yeah, um, I have reflected upon that when I have moments of thinking, "Oh, I wish I went to art school." The truth is, I'm I'm really glad I didn't because I was able to just have to figure things out on my own. And there's never like when when I wanted when I want to do something, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just figure it out and put one foot in front of the other. And that's how I've always found my way. And mm. um, I do feel like a lot of my friends that went to art school ended up getting stuck in this idea of like art, artist, art as a, with a capital A was always a conversation and being in the art world and that struggle. And then all of a sudden mm. you're in this horrible business of art and it sucks, it sucks the passion out of them. And then they, they, they reach a breaking point where they think, okay, I need to make a choice. Am I going to be an artist or am I going to leave my art behind and go in another direction? And I haven't had that experience because if anything, I feel like the older I get, I, I really feel like being an artist is, is, it's the way that one lives. It's really the art of living and whether it's, you know, the meal that you cook or the, just the way you think around educating your children and the things that you curate in their lives. Or there's so many ways to be an, to be artful in a conversation. Um, and so that's been really fun to play with. That's just an idea I think about a lot when I'm feeling like, oh, I don't have any creative time. You know, I'm a mom with four kids and I'm not mm -hmm. making any art. It's like, okay, how can I be artful right now in this moment? And, 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 and also just keeping like all engaged with all of the inputs that are artistic and, uh, and different perspectives, whether it's making sure I'm going to see live music all the time, because that keeps me feeling inspired, reading poetry, Mm -hmm. um yeah just engaging in that way and so yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's um I found yeah as I've gotten older I've found that I've become more creative and I think it is that it's that you just you learn that creativity is like you say a way of being and all of us are creative we are born creative and I think the creative is taken out of all of us like I think that that is literally what happens we're born these beautiful amazing creative beings and then as life happens we get conditioned to become smaller and smaller and smaller you know I used to do I used to host uh, yoga retreats for women and the amount of women I always used to do as part of the weekend like a creative creative workshop, a little creative exercise. And we'd do something very simple, but it was just like a, a creative ex exercise. And the amount of women that used to say, mm, I'm just not creative. I'm just not creative. So many human beings believe that they're not creative. And it's, it's like, I just think that is 
you are. Everybody literally is. You've just got to find that within you. And so I love the way that you say you can find creativity in any place in your life, like with your children playing, making up games and cooking and, and making life more beautiful is literally creating, you know. So uh, I wish that well, more people would would experiment with that, you know, experiment with how I make my life more unique and more beautiful and find that creativity within myself, even if I don't feel that I'm creative, you know, because yeah. it takes, it also takes you being a little bit uh, courageous and, and also, I don't know, maybe being a little bit lighter with yourself, being a little bit less serious about things. You know, I started painting two years ago and it's so it's so interesting that people you don't want to say you're oh no I'm, I'm a painter because the moment you say something like that you've apparently announced that you are the specific thing who should have all this experience but the reason I started doing it was because I just decided one day I want to try it and I love what I've what I've created and I think it would be such a disservice to me on a soul level if I didn't just do it if I didn't just try and do it, and even if other people don't like it, it's not the point. The point with art, and I'm sure if we look back at most artists who have ended up becoming famous after they've died, when they were in the process, people might have hated what they did, but they weren't doing it for anybody else but themselves. You right. know, and that's that's maybe the that's maybe the 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 thing about creativity is it's like this rebellion against what everybody else thinks and it's going, okay, I'm going to think about what for me personally is really important and for me is beautiful and who cares what other people think, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. definitely about experimentation too. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is, it, it, it is. And I, when I think about it in terms of creativity that the kids are all these little creative beings which I feel so deeply having four of them that are all so different at home mm -hmm. but they're all so creative in their own ways and if you just sit back and listen to the worlds that they create it's it's really inspiring and it it's gotten me you know and just thinking about education with them and how, where we send them to school and what they're learning and what are we bringing into their lives I just keep reminding myself that to give them the passion of learning, I have to be, be engaged with that myself. And, and it does excite me of, ooh, all the new art practices that I can learn or instruments that I can learn and just to try to keep showing that to the kids. And because at the end of the day, I'm more and more, I mean, I love the school that our children go to, but I'm, I'm more disillusioned with, you know, the uh, traditional education. And at a certain yeah. point, I feel like, I just want my kids to love learning so that if it's not the right choice to be in school, they can go out into the world and and yeah. be engaged however they want to. Yeah, and cultivate. I feel like creativity is another word for cultivating because yeah. that's all you're doing with creativity. You're cultivating something. You're cultivating something that is bigger than you in some way. Or maybe it isn't even bigger than you. It's just you're creating and cultivating something new. And and really that's what human beings are here to do is to cultivate. That's how we, we carry on. That's how we thrive, you know? Mm. So thinking of this whole, I mean, you've you've got this way of being that you are this creative being and and you um seem to me like somebody who is a seeker of beautiful things. 
was the time that when did you go to South America? Well, I when I was in my early 20s, I was very depressed and I had I mentioned a little bit earlier that there was a lot of addiction in my household growing up. Um I spent most of my childhood trying to get my mom sober and raising myself in a lot of ways and I had a brother also. Um but I was so lost and I've always been a seeker in the sense that I've always been searching out healthy maternal figures and mentors when I was younger and families that were families that I wanted to be a part of. So I would kind of, whether it was dating a guy because I, I fell in love with his mom, you know, <laughs> things like that. Um, there were so many people that were really loving and supportive around me, but I was also really lost and really depressed. And so when I went away to college, um, I was also using a lot of drugs and, and my, my drug dealer actually disappeared and he, he was a lot older than me, kind of like this weird karmic father daughter connection, but he disappeared. And a year later I bumped into him and he just looked so radiant. And I said, where have, what are you doing? And it's a long story that I won't get into, but he'd been working with plant medicines. And so I dove in to that journey pretty fast. I wanted to know. And um, so, yeah, in my early 20s, I ended up working with some different, um, first it was called the Santo Daime, which was like a Brazilian uh, religion, actually, Christian religion mm -hmm. that uses ayahuasca for its sacrament. And you sing to Jesus. So I was raised Jewish and I was like, this is interesting. I'm singing Portuguese to Jesus. But mm -hmm. it was so heart opening. And the music, it would be that the experience of being in like a church with with the plant medicine. Wow. It was incredibly heart opening. And um, I, I wanted to go deeper. And I ended up going down to Peru in my early 20s and connecting with many different shamans. And I spent at the first trip down there, I just spent months down there. Um, at the time, I had a wallpaper company. I started in college. I did a silk screening course in college, and a friend of mine had said, "No, let's let's." He was he's he's a businessman. He's an entrepreneur. But I'd grown up with him, and he he was studying at Carnegie Mellon, and I was at NYU. And he's like, "Let's do this. Let's let's start this business." And I had no interest in starting a business, but we created um, some designs and he took them out into the world. And all of a sudden we had this business that I felt very stuck with. And I was, once I became a business, I was very uninspired. Um, and I also became really conscious of like, is this a sustainable practice? There was so much waste involved with it. And like, what are the inks we're using? And I, I became, you know, I was, I had, been down in Peru and I really opened my heart and I felt very connected to nature with the plants. And so I couldn't really make sense of this world that I was living in New York City. And so, but I did it for many years. I did it for about 10 years where I went back and forth and I had this, these art practices that became business ventures each time, mm -hmm. um, just naturally out of capitalism, I guess. Uh, but each time I, I didn't want them to become one, but it just kept happening. Uh, and and my passion was really working with the plants and other people. So I really I started bringing other people to have this healing as well for many mm -hmm. years um, down to the jungle to work with my teachers. And, and it was an incredibly heart-opening experience is how I can explain it. Um, I connected with myself, with my my higher power, my ancestors, my 
just deep, deep inner child healing through that that work. And uh, I I really felt in that the very first ayahuasca session I had, I really felt like I am devoted for the rest of my life to this plant, hmm. which, you know, that was 20 years ago. And now I don't, I, I, I do feel that all the work that I do is still in service to that plant, although I no longer have that deep need to, to experience it in that way. Um, yeah. But I had, I had an incredible teacher down there who would always encourage me to bring instruments to to the jungle when I came back and I would say, I'm not a musician. He's like, everyone is a musician. And it's not even, it's, it's, it's actually not about you. It's about opening your vessel up and allowing spirit to come through. And so he said next, don't come back to the jungle unless you get an instrument. So I came back to LA. I went to McCabe's, which was one of my favorite music stores. I don't know if you've been there. No. But um, it's this folk music store and they have, mandolins and banjos and <sighs> like that and um i picked a of all of the instruments i chose a banjo and <laughs> to the jungle and it was the loud twangy instrument and everyone's like meditating and not supposed to be making sound and i don't even know how to play it and he would have me bring it into ceremony and he would say you don't have to know how to play it just open open your heart and listen to the instrument and allow spirit to come through you and it, it, it will play itself if you can just listen and so that was how I learned how to play music and he would ask me to sing in ceremony and I was so shy I never was a singer I never thought about I was terrified to sing so mm -hmm. so many years of of that training and also the power of the prayers and the intention behind them calling on the different an, um, animal spirits plant spirits to come and and help and support the healing journey was so just incredibly heart opening. So, so I, I came back to the States. Well, again, I was back and forth and trying to figure out my life here. Um, I got married. I had a kid. I went through a messy divorce. And um, at that point I met someone else and he was also an addict. And I was like, Oh man, I can't I just need to like get away from this pattern of addiction. And I, I brought him to medicine and he got sober from the medicine hmm. and, and through some of that mess, um, just like my ungrounded life at that time, I realized I, I, I tried to run away once, once my partner, my husband now, Jay, once he got sober, hmm. I started really working a program. Um, it was, it was a wild ride with him. And also I was so inspired by it because I always wanted to get my mom sober and everyone. I tried so hard so many interventions, so much rehab, you know, all the family programs I'd been through and to actually be with someone that was doing it and following through. And it was, it was really interesting because it was incredibly triggering for me because it was like the first time I didn't have to try to fix someone. And he was all of a sudden healing and really showing up for me. And I kind of like just exploded sort of. Mm -hmm. And couldn't handle it. It was like there, it, there was something beautiful and loving and supportive about it. And it just did not feel like home for me. So I tried to leave him. Hmm. And in that process, you know, he said to me, like, I, I don't, I, I think you need to look at how much you're, you're using plant medicines yourself, because yes, you are in service of so many people and you've helped people, so many people change their lives. But if you don't see that I'm 
your man and I am meant to be like, I, he's like, I'm here. I came to this earth to, to be with you and to help you heal. I just know that deeply. And if you can't see that, then, then I feel like you, you know, you haven't worked through some of your stuff and I just knew it. I knew he was right right away. I had this sort of out of body experience and left him and then like came, <laughs> came to my senses and, you know, a week later begged, begged to, for him to be open enough to take me back. And it was, you know, a journey to find trust again and blend our families again. That was, it was tough. And, um, but because of all that, I really did take like a big break from any substances at all and went on my own path of sobriety. And, and I had so many emotions come up that I just needed I needed to find a way to get them out. And so a dear friend from the canyon, um, she took me to my, my yoga teacher, Sybil Buck, who I love, took me to a Aww. breath class. Love Sybil. Oh, yeah, she's so amazing. But she yeah. said, oh, I know the thing for you. Let's go to this Stan Groff um, organization. He's invented holotropic breath work, and let's go to one of his retreats. So we went to Taos for a weekend, and it was so beautiful. Blew me open in the same way that plant medicine journeys do. And and in that moment, I had this really strong feeling of, I could see it all so clearly, like I'm going to create a musical arc, but I'm barely a quote unquote musician. I don't know how to really do that, but I'd love to, I'd love to, to write melodies and mantras. And I did, I had found the love of singing and imp improvising, though I didn't have the, the chops on my instrument, but I, you know, I could, I could, I could bring out feelings from, mm -hmm. from these instruments and, so I came home and, and set out to do that. And that's really what I'm engaged in the most right now in my life is creating these breathwork tracks. And so I'm not, I'm not certified with holotropic breathwork because they're very specific about their music module that you have to follow. Mm -hmm. But I felt like, okay, with, with the breathwork and bringing in the, the similar, what we call them arcs when we make them these compositions are like 90 minute pieces that are meant to take you into a peak experience like a plant medicine experience and then bring you back out so uh, so that's that's what we're, we're doing what is what is the name of your specific breath work um so we call it when i say we it's me and my partner paul butler it's not my husband he's my music partner he and i met in the jungle uh 15 years or we actually met here but we through some of our teachers down in the jungle and then we spent a lot of time in the jungle together and um he's a music producer and so um together we we've called this project infinite crescendo which is it's the um i know it's an oxymoron of terms infinite and crescendo but the idea was that that was that was always the inspiration of what we were going to bring from the music of like this feeling of just like it gets bigger and better and more open and just keeps growing and growing and growing and um so that's that's what we call the breath work which has then kind of become the whole project so i so what i see when it comes to the fact that you're a creative and that you then went to south america and you did all this plant medicine work with i really feel that when you are in a creative space in that creative flow you're tapping to source and you know that's really what plant medicine is and 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 when you know people are having religious experiences i i find the that you went to a christian 
church that worked with plant medicine so incredible because people, um, so many religious people think that it's occult. They think that it's uh, evil, plant medicine. It's so strange where that's where all plant medicine is doing is bringing you to the source, which is God, which is universal love, whatever it is that people want to call it. And uh, then you went and found it in this breath work because you're tapping once again into the source, you know, and there's so many different ways of doing that. And, you know, where you say, I wasn't an artist or I wasn't a musician. And yes, you are, because you are, all you're doing is just tapping into that because we are all these deeply yeah. creative. And, and if we could all just tap into that, we'd find our voices. We'd find, you know, and I've done your breath work and the, Okay, so I did your breath work just so that the people understand the power of this breath work was it was during COVID and I was on a Zoom call with you and a whole lot of other people and I was in my bed with headphones on and even being, I am a very in-person person. That's why I try to do these podcast videos because I want to see you. I want to see people. I, I'm tangible. Um, and even though I wasn't, at an in-person thing, it still blew my mind. Like, it was really incredible. I Okay, Holly, your voice is something else. Your voice is from another realm. <laughs> it's really, yeah. and and you, you hold space so beautifully. I mean, I couldn't believe that you held space like that, even on a Zoom. That's pretty insane. Oh, I'm and, so glad. That was, a, that was a scary thing to do, open it up via Zoom. Um, yeah. I, uh, controversial to do breath work in that way and I yet I didn't know how else to put it out and I knew people were going through so much and it was really cool to be able to experience that with people and have share circles after and have people from Mexico City and from Israel and from Pakistan I mean we had people from all over it was so cool to open that up and yeah, yeah that's that's cool that you came to one of those yeah, it was a, was really incredible. You still do that now. Do you also do uh, retreats, though? Can you tell us a bit about what what you use your breathwork, how you incorporate it? Yeah, the retreats are they're evolving always, so they're different every time. But I call them heart song retreats, and the idea is that through the breathwork practice, I take people into it. I, I open them up with breathwork, and then. We tune into our, our our authentic voice, and they're singing. And you know, you do not have to be a musician to come at all. But there's there's singing, there's improvisation, there's um, it really depends. Each depending on where we we hold the retreat, I bring in different facilitators. Whether it's uh, my friend Alma Teto comes sometimes and does these really beautiful union active imagination to to help. Um, Integra with integration. So I, I, I love to bring in other people and, and we create a, a very intentional arc of the retreat as well, where sort of, yeah, I like to, I, I really do. Someone once called me a journey designer and, and ever since then I've used that term. I was like, that's what I am. If I'm going to be anything, I'm a journey designer because um, I love creating a journey for people, whether it's through sound or through the week of a retreat, you know, like how are we going to 
peel the layers and and mm. have this like beautiful peak experience and then kind of come back and integrate slowly and ground again and so yeah just i i get so much out of the retreats personally just i'm i'm such a an empath and i just love being in the energy of people opening up and sharing and crying and I mean, there's not a breathwork that goes by where I'm not crying during the breathwork because once people start to cry and that happens pretty quickly, if you haven't done breathwork, you should try it because it does, it brings a lot of emotions to the surface pretty fast. And, and it's again, like the reason I went to do this breathwork course with Sybil, I was telling you about was mm -hmm. because I had so many emotions that I had potentially bypassed. I don't know if that, yeah, maybe bypassed because I had been in the, in the medicine space for so long. And I think I'm the kind of person that needs to move emotions all the time and, and they get stuck and I feel like I need to clean the pipes out. And so, so that for me to even be facilitating this work is like another way that I can do that because I, I, I want to cry a lot. And I, you know, not that I love, not that I get off on seeing other people cry, but you know what I mean? It's like when you yeah. tune into that frequency and you're able to express that also um it, it's very healing for me so i feel really grateful that i get to, to do that yeah it's really beautiful um i think yeah I've, i agree with you about crying i think i think crying is a gift that we've been given we haven't been given tears for us not to use them tears are such a cleansing way of releasing stuff i just i love crying i mean it's great and when i don't cry i worry when i feel like when i feel like something happens and it's big and i don't find the tears i always know there's something going on i always know i'm holding something because as soon as i'm not holding i'm crying yeah <laughs> and I, I, I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day just like how men have been forced not to cry for so many generations and how it's so beautiful like for me growing sons that are totally okay with crying openly they've never even know they don't even know the concept of them not like that they shouldn't cry it's right. it's it's a foreign concept to them which i think is so great it's beautiful yeah because you know we're all emotional beings and allowing all of us to have all of our feelings is an important thing you know yeah. um so i would love to ask you about you know so plant medicine is still controversial why do you think people are afraid of why do you think people are afraid of plant medicine what do you think it is that people are afraid of after all these years of working with it um i think people are probably afraid of i mean it it it's always surprises me because i i've i've just been someone that just is like whoa that sounds interesting i want to try it and i i just need to see one person say it was and i'm like give me some of that you know and <laughs> um, so i'm always surprised by people when they've heard so many people say that it's been life changing for them and they just don't want to do it mm -hmm. um and and i think not I used to really feel that plant medicines were for everyone and everyone had to experience them. I don't feel that anymore. I think there are so many people that are, again, like you said, finding, finding that connection in different ways. And for me, that connection really was spirit, God. I'm not afraid mm -hmm. to say the word, but I know it's God is a loaded term, but 
Um, I love God and God is very much a part of my life. I'm not, I don't mm. consider myself religious at all. I was born Jewish, but I don't connect with the Jewish religion. And I don't know, I guess I'm a, if anything, like an animist and, and connect with Buddhism, you know, there, there are many things I connect with, but, um, but I, I'm, but God is, I mean, lo I, I, love is my religion. Yeah, that is, that is it. Love is my religion. But, you know, I connect with so many different ways that that also hold that as their their core. And um, yeah, so f having found that people find that connection in other ways. But I do think a lot of people who haven't found and it's not and I'm not there are atheists, too, that find whatever the connection is too. So it's not about this particular God, but it is, I do think that a lot of people are completely disconnected and, and are so confused and scared and there's so much fear and repression and they don't want to see what it is that's weighing them down. And it's something that I I've, I've shared in some of the breath works that I do because I once read, um, I think it was Robert Bly who there's a book about the shadow, which is really beautiful. And there's a section that Robert Bly writes about what is the shadow. And he explains it as a bag that you're given when you're born. And every time there's a hard experience, you kind of like drop that rock in the bag. And at a certain point, it's so heavy that you throw it over your shoulder and you're carrying this weight and it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier, but you don't even know your whole, you don't even know the bags on the back of you at that point. So I think that's why people aren't going because they know that there's something back there, but they can't really tell what it looks like and they don't know what's inside and they don't want to open it up. Maybe it's also the way the world is constructed. I also feel like we are conditioned and grown up and brought up sort of to be afraid of what we don't know. You know, we've the, the, the art of dying, the sacredness of life, yeah. People are not, are not taught to to revere life and to understand that we are going to die and that death is a completely normal thing. We're taught to look away from things like that. We're taught taught to look away from the shadow, and that's it. It creates so much shame and so much guilt in people that it is. It's it's a frightening thing to think I might be faced with my demons. So I'm rather just not going to be faced with them because if I face my demons, something bad's going to happen when, you know, the more we do this sort of work and the more we do our shadow work, the more we realize our demons are just as different aspects of ourselves who are there to teach us very important things, you know, and if we can use both sides of ourselves, we can really, really fully embody who we are as, as a spirit. Um, so yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's like you say that fear is just this, and we're not we don't live in unfortunately in many societies that that uh hold us to go through that stuff you know if you look at tribes if you look at people who've been doing this for communities that have been doing this sort of work for millennia they are okay with facing their demons and i guess we're just not in modern society there's something wrong with you if you if you do do that when no it's just who you are really you know, yeah, and um, we are very much lacking ritual. That's that's something that's coming up more and more for our culture. That is very sick. And yeah, yeah, there's there's this. I don't know. Do you know who Maladoma Somme is? Mm -mm. Um, he was an 
really beautiful. He's the elder from the Dagara tribe in Burkina Faso. And he may, I mean, it was his mission. I believe that um, Maladoma Somme actually means the friend. And it's, um, oh wait, and it, it's his, he basically left, he left his culture to go to college in New Jersey and then again in France. And he, while he was here, he realized how sick our culture was. And so his whole mission when he was, when he was, um, when he became the elder of this tribe, he was the youngest initiated elder of the tribe. But when he wow. became the elder of the tribe, his mission was to go out into the world and share the rituals from their culture. And, and um, one of his prayers, there, there's so many beautiful ones, but one of them I haven't um, woven into one of the, the medicine arcs. And some people ask like, is that okay to use this? This is cultural appropriation. And it's been a really intense conversation that I've had to really look at and, and ask, you know, people from his family because he, he passed away and, and Michael Mead who, who worked with him. That's how I originally learned the prayers. And um, it, it has been so amazing to dig into his writings and, and really think about the importance of ritual because we don't have it as a society. And, as part of why I love the breathwork ceremonies or and the retreats because it's like it creates this modern day ritual for people mm-hmm. to experience and and they are all of these rituals are their death rebirth experiences in some some aspect of of yourself yeah and the plant medicines are very much that and I think a lot of people hear the word death and they don't focus on the rebirth part, you know, the death, death is scary and it is unknown and it isn't something our culture talks about. So, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like ritual is something that humans are constantly seeking out, even though they don't n- maybe consciously know it. Anytime that I've sat in a circle of whatever it is, whenever people come together with an intention, they come together in some sacred way, there is this coming home it's so interesting to watch people from all all backgrounds come in you know flighty whatever it is and sit down and the moment it's like there's just the settling in and maybe discomfort sometimes there's a little bit of discomfort in the body but I also see just how it's like we know that this is part of of our DNA this is something that we have been that we come from and we're sort of being reminded of it. Maybe we don't want to be reminded of it, but when we are and we we are happy to do that, that's when, oh my gosh, the transformation happens. And there's such, and, and it's incredible how with ceremony, how quickly transformation takes place in people, how quickly they will come out of something. And it it's like not necessarily like ayahuasca, just even a cacao ceremony or even just a meditation, like you say, with breath work yeah. and just a yoga nidra, even like just something that takes you into yourself and beyond yourself to the greater of whatever that is. Yeah. And suddenly there's just this switch that's that's turned on a lot of the times. It's really beautiful to watch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you are doing a, you were saying you were doing a podcast that you've, I hope you haven't launched your podcast yet, have you? I haven't no, the, and the podcast is is it's actually an outgrowth of the this infinite crescendo project with the breathwork actually because as we've been creating more breathwork arcs, we decided we wanted to bring in other 
musicians and artists and healers and poets to collaborate on the arcs, um, bring in new energies. And we decided to start with what we call micro journeys, which are five to 30 minute short guided meditations. Um, mm -hmm. Guided meditations is the wrong word because I don't want to give people the wrong idea, but they're these little mini arcs that are sort of the micro dose of the larger 90 minute breathwork experience that's meant to simulate a plant medicine experience. So this is like the micro dose. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's easier to digest for some people because it's shorter. And so we want to create these, a, a, a library of these meditations and um in as we began to collaborate with these different people really all walks of life we realized that we wanted to interview them as well because their story about how they arrived at the gifts that they have is really an important piece and and that storytelling itself is medicine and people will relate and and be broken open and grow and be given new resources and tools. And so we started, yeah, podcasts again. I never thought I would, <laughs> speaking of putting one foot in front of the other and not knowing what, where it's going to go. I, um, I've never wanted to be a podcaster and I feel, mm -hmm. I actually feel shy in that way. Um, but I have been loving, I'm sure you have too, just mm -hmm. like that to be able to be so intimate with people for this amount of time. And I've learned so much about myself and, and about others and about the capacity of the heart. And yeah. so, yeah, but essentially it's their conversations about these people's spiritual journeys and how they arrived at their gift. And then we sort of distill that into a little sonic journey that uh -huh. um, some of them are poems we have a, Jack, a poem by Jacqueline Susskind, who I just love, and I always share her poetry in my breath work. So I asked her uh, to, to send us a poem. And from that, we built it into a, a mantra and, and extended it. And then we've, we interviewed um, this really amazing new age musician, Laraji, who does laughter yoga. And we created this like really trippy laughter track to help you get into that energy. But beyond that, it, it, it takes you into a, another journey. So each one, they're, they're really hard to explain and they're all over oh. the place. Uh, but it's been a great project. I've just, I, I feel very inspired by it because it will continue to evolve. And yeah, I love, I love, I'm a Gemini. I love being engaged with, with people. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just love the concept so much and knowing, <laughs> knowing, your quality of like what you put out there. I am so excited for this. I can't wait for it. I just can't wait to hear the episodes. I think it's going to be amazing. And the fact that you're offering these little microdoses, these little mini journeys is just amazing. It's beautiful. I, I, I feel like if anybody's afraid of, of experimenting with any of this or just going deeper, then this is such a nice um, way of doing it. It's just a gentle way of introducing them to it. And then the stories. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait for that because that's actually what I love about podcasting because I'm also very shy. <laughs> um, and podcasting is just such a way, beautiful way of sharing stories. And I think that that's what um, humans are doing now. We're starting to share more stories because that's what we also come from. Once again, we're sort of going yeah. back to our roots of sharing you know sharing these beautiful stories about humans and uh 
our, our place on this earth, you know, and, and, and what we're here to do. So I really can't wait. When are you, are, is this still a work in progress? Are you? We're so, so close. It's coming. It's coming within, within the month. It'll be launched and I will definitely let you know as soon as it is. Great. Um, will yeah. it be on your website? Will it the... will definitely be on my website. Yeah. The website, we're about to launch a whole new website that we've been working on for a long time. And the offerings are, you'll be able to license the arcs for 24 hours if you are a practitioner and you want to use them on retreats yourself and there's trainings for that for people if you want to use the arc as an individual at home there's instruction for that to you know do it with a partner in a safe way but um and then there'll also be um a, a subscription for the micro journeys themselves uh yeah. separate if you want just that so you can have both or each okay. and and then there'll be monthly classes that I teach that will sometimes be creative practices sometimes be different breath works I'll okay. be testing out the new breathwork music with with whoever shows up in the community and getting feedback that way which will be fun and bringing in guest speakers and all sorts right. of things and we also do um, live events which we had been calling living room journeys because I've been doing them out of my living room, but with the collaborators that, that we, we interview uh, and create the micro journey with, and we try awesome. to have many of them, at least if they're musicians or, yeah. or healers do workshops. So that's been another fun part. So if you're interested, sign yeah. up the mailing list for all of that. How do people do that? Yeah. So my website is just infinitecrescendo.com. So check out. Crescendo, all the offerings coming soon perfect and i recommend to anybody and everybody listening go visit that website because if you're going to be doing this sort of work carly is the person that you want to do this work with for sure without oh. like without a shadow of a doubt you're the person to be doing this work with um mm -hmm. i wanted to also ask you after doing transformational work with people because that's what I would like to call it I think you do some incredible transformational work if somebody who's never done any work like this before um if this seems very foreign to them what are some can you share like one or two stories of people that that have really like their transformation has really blown you away that something has happened in their lives hmm Wow, so many, really. I mean, it's very often with 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 breathwork. I mean, plant medicines have a similar similar um, healing quality <laughs> that they can kind of come in and and blast through anything that needs that needs to be. But but the breathwork has been amazing because because people don't expect it to tap in so deeply. And they think, oh, this isn't going to work for me. You know, breathing, okay, sure, I'll lay here and put an eye mask on and breathe. And and then within 15 minutes of doing the practice, they're, you know, hysterical. And then they're laughing and then they're screaming. And um, I mean, not everybody goes that far, but many people do. And there have been so many people that have had visitations from loved ones that have passed that are so clear and such amazing direction for people in life. I mean, my husband, every time he's blocked, he's a writer. Every time he feels blocked, we do a breath work and he, it's like, 
you, the whole narrative arc comes through for whatever he's working on. And it's not from him. And that's the beauty, right? It's just like, it's this divine, it just drops in. Um, I'm thinking of one woman who came on, it was really a beautiful woman. I ended up interviewing her, Kelsey Moore. She's, she's a documentary filmmaker and she's Australian. She came to the heart song retreat I did in, in Spain right after the pandemic. And so people had experienced it from zoom and it was this really amazing experience because we had 40 people from all over the world. And, um, she came and she said her intention was to find her voice. And she has the, first of all, the most beautiful voice. But when I ended up connecting with her after the retreat, she said, you know, that was the retreat that I completely changed my life. Like I'm, I'm a singer and I know that, and I've been making documentary films and I love that work, but I've always wanted to be a singer. I used to sing as a kid. And then at some point someone shut me down and I would, I became shy and I never sang again. And and it was through a lot of these practices on the retreats where I, I would make, I shouldn't say make, but yes, I would make people open up and, mm -hmm. and share from the heart. And these songs would come through that were mm -hmm. wild. And her voice was so incredible. And yeah, she's putting out an album now. And she's so, she's very engaged in, in mm -hmm. this whole new life that she didn't see coming. And wow. that makes me so happy because what I think about with this work is really, um, I always envision like a, a candle and lighting people's candles and then they go out in the world and light candles. And that's mm -hmm. just the, the, the intention that I am always holding during these sessions. Um, not that I have a special candle, we all have a candle and, mm -hmm. and to be able to bring in oxygen, you know, life force, prana mm -hmm. into someone. It's so quickly it activates them and it activates their their gift and their purpose. And I've, I mean, there's so many stories of people having life, completely life shifts, whether it's what they do for work or their, what relationship they're in and, you know, finding a, a more healing, <laughs> safer way to to live a better way to connect with people, um, really clear instruction, how to be a better parent, all these mm -hmm. divine wisdom that comes pouring through. So yeah, yeah, I love, I love that. I love getting to, I love the feedback and I love hearing from people, you know, months later, years later, how mm -hmm. one session had transformed them. And again, I don't believe it's something I'm doing. It's, I think, that's another thing I love about breath work is that it's it. Of course, I have to charge for my sessions because we all have to make a living and raising my kids and whatnot. But but breath work is free, and once you experience the power of it, you can make a a playlist of evocative music that touches you in some way and have a journey. And you can you can do it anytime, and you can do it for ten minutes, and it feels like a a full reset. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at it from that perspective, it just think you just think, why doesn't everybody want to do this in the world? Why don't we all want to do this? And I guess it comes back to our fear of of opening up because we're so open when we're born and we need to guard ourselves a lot of the times as we grow up. And then opening that up again is such a frightening thoughts you know for people especially people I'm sure who've experienced trauma in their lives it must be 
just a terrifying, well, no, I know it's a terrifying thought. It's even a terrifying thought for me, you know, just feeling that openness is, um, it's a big deal, you know, and when you do experience it, it is life-changing, um, but it's profound and it's big and, you know, big profound experiences can be terrifying because, yeah. we, you know, we don't know it. Carly, I've loved this conversation. I know we're going to have to end relatively soon. Um, I would love to carry on with you. I let's. I just want to ask you one one more question before I ask you my unreasonable questions at the end of the show. But um, where do you see yourself? Where are you flowing into? I mean, I know now you're doing your podcast, and I love how you. Maybe you're not going to be able to answer this because I'm also not a person who looks very far into the future. I'm very present based, like. Anybody says to me, what are your plans? I'm like, I have no idea <laughs> because exactly. I love living in the moment. But, yeah. um, you know, this work feels like your life's work. It feels like something that is what you're called to do. And I'd love to know what you would love to see happen with this work, maybe. Maybe that's a way of putting it. Yeah. Um, Thank you for that question because it is something that I struggle with of thinking about and planning for the future. I, I similarly am very much present and always, always doing what feels alive and passionate for me, which sometimes, you know, it, it makes it so that people are always like, well, you had that business and then you just quit it. Like right when it's <laughs> like taking off, you just quit it. You started a festival and then you just quit it. And, you know, I have like my family saying, okay, you're such a quitter. And I, I really don't see it that way anymore. I just am following the thread of passion. But mm -hmm. um, but I it, one of my dreams has always been to have a retreat center, you know, since mm -hmm. my early 20s. I always wanted. And I think it's probably a lot of these really wild experiences I had through plant medicine, but also through growing up. I went to so many family rehab programs where of course I was like kicking and screaming and didn't want to go, but they were so incredibly awakening for me to go through those experiences. And I've always wanted to hold, have some space that I can, I, I can hold that for people. Um, and also, you know, I'd love to own a space like that so I can really create this, the place of my dreams and then allow for all types of people to come and not necessarily, you know, not necessarily charge if I don't have to right now, it's like renting an expensive retreat centers. That's always a challenge. Um, so that's my dream long-term. And, and in terms of the breath work, Paul and I love talking about larger experiential, like, you know, whether we're working in a dome that has just the most beautiful array of surround sound and, and live instruments, because we always use live instruments for the live sessions, whether they're rattles and drums and things, but like in having full, just, you know, orchestra of people with strings going around the room, because it really does create an, a much deeper, more immersive experience for people. So we, we love to think about that. So if there's any, ever anyone that's throwing festivals or whatever that, would be able to bring us in in that way that that's something we would love to experiment with. Um, mm. But yeah, I guess my intention is just to reach as many people as possible, which I really hope that this online platform can do and be affordable for uh, people. Mm. It's like you're, you're being a mother to people in a way. It's so interesting because you came from seeking, seeking a mother figure to then, becoming this mother 
in mm. in a very very big way for a lot of people. So I love how you've come full circle. You've you've come from seeking to be a mother to be actually becoming that for people. So oh, thank you. Well, I love being a mother, and it was speaking of fears. That was probably the scariest thing I ever did. I never never wanted kids. I knew I'd fuck them up. Excuse my language, mm. Mm. but um, because that was my my relationship with my mother and it's been and then I and then I thought I, I want only boys you know because I don't want to have to have that mother daughter thing that I had with my mom and then I have two girls now and two stepkids too but but my two daughters it's been so healing to become a mother and like facing the fear and recognizing that yes we have all these patterns but we're, if we're like really actively engaging with understanding them then we I really believe we can move through them. And I don't think I believe that when I first had my kids, I was still in like a terrified state, but as mm -hmm. I become more and more grounded and I see how incredible they are, you know, and how it's just, I, I don't know. I feel much more solid in that. And I, I finally feel like I'm a good mom. And I wonder what they would say about that, but I, I'm, I, it's so not healing to feel that way. Yeah. Uh, but what I, Pleasure. Well, from what I've seen, I feel that you're a lovely mom. I, 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 that's what I think. <laughs> you're a wonderful mom. I mean, just from meeting your daughters, they're so lovely. Mm -hmm. um, thank you so much for this conversation, Carly. Uh, I really hope that you continue to grow this work of yours and that infinite crescendo becomes like the holotropic breathing. Like, you know, cause all of these things started because people tapped into something really great and then they became a thing, you know, or everything starts from somewhere and you are sharing something very special with the world, you and Paul. Mm. Um, so mm. I'm really grateful that you have found each other as partners in this work. And I look forward to seeing where it all goes mm -hmm. because I, it feels like work that is going to shift a lot of people's lives. And that's really what we need in today's day and age. We need work on this planet that is going to connect us to something higher, that is going to connect us to everybody else, that is going to make us realize that we are all part of one another. Mm. And you're doing that work. So I, I really, really respect you for that. So thank you. Thank you. I want to um, finish off with my. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the um, unreasonable questions. Yeah. Let's finish. <laughs> okay. What moment in your life can you describe as being completely unreasonable, but completely magical at the same time? I'm sure you've got many, but. What is a moment in your life that you thought this is so unreasonable, but then you did it anyway and it was so magical? Oh, well, just this morning I signed up for one of those that's coming up, which is a survival school for 14 days in the middle of nowhere with no food. <laughs> um, I don't, I, I can't yet say that that's magical because I haven't experienced it, but I am positive that I, I do, I, I'm sure it will be because. How can it not? How can something like that not be magical? But Hold also terrifying. Hold on. So you're going for 14 days. Did you just say no food and no wait? wait well, hold on. very very little food. My so my husband actually is becoming a facilitator at this survival school that changed his life that he went to two years ago, and um, yeah, you have 
very little food and you have to you learn how to forage and hunt and make fire and all of that so um yeah it's called it, boss boulder. sorry it's, it's called boss boulder outdoor survival school it's in utah and, and is it just is it you and your husband going no, together no no i'm not allowed to go with him you're, you're you're not you're encouraged to go alone you don't go with anyone you know so there'll be a group of people but yeah he went on his own and and had a wild experience and now he's he's gone back many times as an apprentice and he's gonna he'll be a teacher there at some point soon and i yeah it's funny because when he first did it i was like oh i already did that because I, I, my first answer would be the jungle but we've already talked about that because it was like you know i was in the amazon early 20s nobody knew anything about plant medicine at that time it was really hard to even google it my parents had no idea what i was doing couldn't get in touch with me for months, barefoot with nothing, sleeping, you know, in random hammocks and up the, up a river, you know, where there was no connection to the outside world. So that was the most magical. And so when I first heard of my husband's experience and he was encouraging me to go, I just thought like, oh, I've already done that. Been there, done that. You know, I had my version of that. And then the more I see how it's brought him so much joy and connection and just you know how much less we need when we have so little and how much more fulfilled he's felt from those experiences um yeah i'm really really excited to experience it so i'm going to do that in in may cool. we're gonna have to chat again you have to gonna have to come onto the show again and talk to me about that experience because that sounds so cool i know i'm scared to leave the kids for that long i've never left them that long but having seen what it's done Actually, my children are really encouraging me to do this because because Cookie, you know, she's at a she's at a nature school too, and so she's excited. She's like, "Mom's doing the thing that the seniors do at our school," you know. Oh, sweet! That's so exciting. Well, I'm so excited for you. I can't wait to hear about it. It's mm -hmm. going to be. I don't know if I would do it. I'm, I'm. Would I do something like that? I don't. I. I don't know. I'm going to have to check to you. It's very unreasonable, and that's why I'm like, oh, I'm curious now. I'm very curious. Okay. My second question, this is unreasonable. What do you what do you think life is for? Oh, what is life for? Oh, that's a big one. I know I've definitely thought a lot about that, and I I really feel it's about love i mean that's it's 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 so simple and that can that can mean so many things for people but um it's lately i i just keep thinking life is a video game i don't even allow my kids to play video games so it's a funny analogy but i've really been you know with all the the horror that is happening in the in this in this city and then in this world and it's so crazy and I, I can go so dark and very existential very quickly. Um, and I, I really, I feel like our job is to help others awaken to the beauty of the possible and to the beauty of, of God and love. Well, God is love, you know, like that is, that's where I'm at. And, and it's, it is tough in this moment because I think there's a there's a lot of people that I'm in conversation with that are questioning that 
like, how can you be focused on that right now? When don't you see what's happening and having conversations with family members about that? It's been hard to explain where I'm at, but I just, I just believe it very deeply. You know, that doesn't mean that I don't have compassion for everything that's happening in the world, but I, 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 I've seen so many stories of transformation from some pretty horrifying places. And I really believe that like, for whatever reason, I'm here to do that. And everybody has their own reason and their own unique way, but to do a similar version of that, I think to help, to help people see the beauty and the awe and yeah. And nature does that, you know, nature does that. So I think that's why I'm excited about this boss experience. It feels like a, a deeper, but also like somehow more extreme, but yet somehow so much simpler than anything else, which yeah. excites me. Yeah. Just tapping into the purity of nature and that is love. Nature yeah. to me, literally nature is the embodiment of love yes. all the time. I'm like, we are surrounded by it all day and we forget we yeah. forget that that's that's what it's all about, you know. And love comes in different forms, but it's all there. It's it's yeah. That's what that's what this world is. Yeah. You're right. I love it. Love it. Love 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 love. <laughs> okay, my final question is, as we spoke about at the beginning, what is your definition of an unreasonable human? Oh, uh, someone that just does what they need to do because they need to do it. <laughs> it's so simple. It's so true. You do what you need to do because you want to do it. Because you need to do it. You need to do it. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. And the world would probably be a better place, actually. Ironically, the world would probably be a better place because I think that reason and structure and laws and conditions and rules are put in place to keep us because God forbid we allow people to just do what they need to do. The world would be chaos. Apparently that's what like apparently would happen where I don't know. I disagree with that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Carly. I've loved this conversation and I am definitely going to chat to you further. Once you've done this thing, we are going to have a revisit. You're going to come back and we're going to talk about this because oh, if I don't run away, not everyone makes it through the 14 days. I'm like, Oh, not everybody makes it, but you know, even if you don't make it, like that's you're doing it. At least you're trying. At least you're going for it. You know, in life, that's what life is for, really. Like, just try it, do it, and if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. But I, you're gonna learn, regardless. You're gonna oh. you're gonna learn something about yourself. Absolutely, I'm excited. Yeah, it's so exciting. Thank oh, you, Carly. Thank you for me excited to to hear more from more of your unreasonable humans. Yeah, me too. I'm loving, loving doing this show. It feels like one of those heart moments, like you say, you know, just connecting people through their differences and their unique ways of being and thinking because we're so afraid of that. We're so afraid of uh, approaching somebody that to, to us feels unreasonable in some way. And when you start to delve deeper and really speak to people about what that is for them a lot of the times there's this golden thread that connects all of us and we realize that actually we're not they're not as different as mm -hmm. they seem to be yeah, yeah exactly yeah Beautiful. all right carly 
Well, have a lovely day and I'll, I'll see you soon. <laughs> Bye. 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 Well, that's it for today's episode of Unreasonable Humans. Thanks so much for joining me. Please follow the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember that a great rating goes a very long way to support the show. Until the next one. Bye.